0: Mi gente, I am always excited about the sponsors that we have for the podcast because they're always really awesome wines. And this week, our wine sponsor is herencia del Valle Wines. They've actually been a sponsor for previous things, but this time we have a different wine. So Guillermo and Helica Herrera began Erencia del Valle Wines in 2007 turning out a series of wines that have garnered substantial critical acclaim from the wine industry. I was fortunate to sip on their 2018 Sauvignon Blanc for this interview. The, in, the actual vineyard was planted with old Mandavi clones in 1975 and is some of the oldest vines in the Chiles Valley. It is quadrilateral trellising and a north east-southwest row orientation that maximizes the sun's dappling rays on the fruit it has a 92 point rating out of 115.4 percent alcohol content but let me just tell you gina and i had zero problem finishing this bottle as we chatted for more information and to order please go to erenciawines.com Hola mi gente Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheesement Podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. I'm your host, Jessica Yangis. This week, my guest is my friend Gina Aguilar, known to San Diego radio listeners as Gina de Latina. Originally from Los Angeles, Gina the Latina has been a staple on San Diego music station Channel 933 for the past 13 years. Arguably one of the most recognized and beloved radio personalities, Gina is le- currently the lead host of the Gina the Latina and Frankie V morning show. Gina quickly became one of the most well known radio on air hosts, being named best radio personality in San Diego in 2014 Ranch and Coast Magazine's Best of San Diego issue. Her quick-witted, fun-loving personality, yet real and brutally honest opinions, has quickly made her a fan favorite. We talk about her ascension to becoming one of the few women leads in morning show in the country and the journey that led her to where she is today. So grab your glass of wine and join us. The cheese man. We're finally doing this. I know. <laughs> How
1: long? Sorry, I canceled like three times. the twice. Only twice. I think.
0: <laughs> and we both have the gunshot like laugh, which was I was crying. I know, up. right? <laughs> hey, it's made me money. <laughs> <laughs> But yay, we're finally here. We're finally doing it. And I'm super excited because, you know, it took forever. But I appreciate because I technically didn't even ask you. You had initially volunteered. Oh, really? I don't yeah. even remember. When, we, when I say, what you're going to have me on, on your podcast. Like, I probably said that. <laughs> it was after that um, Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus movie thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we were walking back and I was just telling you about the podcast and you're like, Oh, yeah. If you ever want me on, just let me know. And okay. I was like, okay. Okay. Because I didn't want to impose on you or ever ask you or anything. Yeah. So, well, you should always ask people because if you don't ask, you're never going to. This know. is true. But I always like
1: to support other people that are cool. If you're not cool, I probably wouldn't have said
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Okay. If you didn't think I'm cool, I got <laughs> yeah, this yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't have offered.
1: <laughs> I'm big on vibes. If they're cool, like I'm down to always help, like, you know, especially with something like podcasts are just I mean it's what I do for a living well on the radio but so yeah I I'm glad that a lot of people are doing podcasts now
0: I it's I think a lot of people I did it right before so it wasn't like COVID was the reason I started I know mm-hmm. COVID is the reason, the reason I started but I saw I literally launched I was telling you earlier three weeks before COVID hit oh wow yeah so, so it's perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. Just happen, it just happened to work out that way. And have you done a lot of interviews during pandemic? I have by the end of the year. So you're actually going to... By the end of the year, I'll hit 50 episodes. Oh, you're wow. 50. That's you're going to awesome. be 50. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: You know, I was once told that you're not a true podcaster, which I don't believe this, but this is what they told us. And so you get 100 episodes. So when we got to our 100 episodes, we were like so excited. And then we stopped our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't have one right now, but I'm gonna restart one. But no, that's it, that doesn't mean you're all podcast. But 50 is amazing. That's once a week almost for the whole year. That's a lot. I mean, people don't realize how much work and effort it takes in. Like, you know, we do our radio show four hours a day, five days a week. That's a lot of talking. And then to do another hour of podcast, everyone's like, why I'm like, I'm getting to to do your pod, to do like a podcast, but it's just it's a lot of work. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, and at plus, I am the producer, I am the yeah, editor, I, I am the host, I am the everything. If I don't do something, literally nothing happens.
1: Yeah. And I know, I think that's um, great though, when you're starting too, because you learn how to do everything. I'm spoiled where, well, right now we're actually, at some point, at one point we had like six people on our show. And so we had a lot of things, but now during, there was a lot of cutbacks and there's that we have three and four, but I have a producer who just helps does, he's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. So it does help. You'll get there. Uh, yes. I. That's, that's but, the why But goal. when you have to do everything on your own, you learn everything. Like, like editing, you learn everything. Oh, I And let me tell you, when I had to go back and do it, I'm like, oh, shit. I forgot. <laughs> are we allowed to cuss? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, um, <laughs> it's uncensored. Okay, It's good. uncensored. Because I cuss and I don't know how I don't cuss on the radio, but I always cuss in real life. It's like my mom hates it, but...
0: But you weird. know, it's so crazy because I do the same based on who I talk to. Mm-hmm. In regards to if I Mm, cuss or not, too. mm. So literally, if I'm with somebody who doesn't really cuss, I find myself like, it's just well, it's a thing. In, well,
1: it's thing in radio. Um, when you, whoever you hang out with, you start talking without mm-hmm. talking like without even thinking about it. So, for example, I have this one friend, Jessica. Not you, a different Jessica. Um, who always says like, 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 and she'll come over here for a weekend on a Monday on the radio. I'm saying like, 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 like. I'm like, oh my god! I I told her if you're gonna come stay with me at the weekend, you need to cut that word out of <laughs> out of your vocabulary because in regular when you're regularly talking, it sounds normal, but when you're
0: on the radio, it sounds. Not, when no, i'm editing good. yeah you're I like, hears, oh, i've said it too many times yeah i hear the uhs i yeah. hear the likes i hear all the you hear all Everything. of the filler yeah. words but like when my like I was say, <laughs> when,
1: when my mom comes over too, she says certain words too and i sound i i just you, whoever you hang out with even for a day or two you'll start talking like them without yeah. even thinking about it so you do have to be
0: cognizant of that. yes well before we get into all the other chiefs man yeah got to get to the wine okay the best part yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this week i'm super excited because we're having herencia wines it's a sauvignon blanc from napa valley 2016 they are a mexican-american vintner oh nice yeah so really really they're super awesome in fact when i went to when i took my three-week road trip yeah i spent two nights in napa Uh and there it was herencia wines on drama um, been on drama wines and Yama's family wines. They actually took me out to dinner. Oh, awesome. And I got, I didn't taste Do you have, this like dinner one. in a cave and all that. <laughs> Do they have all that? <laughs> I was, the most bougie place I've ever been to was in Napa and it
1: was a wedding and it was a cave. And I was like, wow, people really live like this. Yes. No, it wasn't a cave.
0: They took me to a restaurant okay. but it was, but, but they like wined and died. It was awesome. I had the food was amazing. The wine was amazing because they all brought their wines. Yeah. I got, so I wasn't, I didn't taste this one. Yeah. But this is one of the ones that was featured on the um, wine tasting, on the virtual wine tasting. Oh, cool. This was the first wine that we, awesome. that we talked about. So let me read the, the uh, notes. So it says the grapes were picked at first sight on September 3rd, 2014 to maximize the intensity of esters and freshness. When brought to the winery, the whole cluster was crushed and 85% was fermented in stainless steel, while the other 15 was fermented in neutral French oak barrels. Um, so it says layers of lemon zest, apricot, and other stone fruit, as well as dried herbs and the flavors, lush and full lemon cream and Meyer lemon bar, which transit, which transitioned to a whipped key lime finish. So. Okay. Salud. I don't know what all that meant, but it's not a good <laughs> <laughs> mm. I, I love get, the citrusy. Love yeah. yeah. But you had told me, because I'd asked before what your favorite type of wine was, Sauvignon and you, you said Sauvignon Blanc. Always. So yes. When they sent me an extra bottle, I was like, this is the one I'm going to say well, for Gina. You. I appreciate it. No, it's really, really good. <laughs> so. Thank you guys over at NTL Wines. It, yeah. it is really good. We, I'm sure, I have a feeling we're definitely going to go through the bottle. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> always. I mean, you can't leave a bottle half empty. That, right? No.
1: To, I always tell my boyfriend, he, like, he'll open a wine. And I'm like, if you're going to open it, you need to finish it. So, because we're not just letting to leave it. Yeah. So
0: he's like, okay. <laughs> I know. Sometimes it's hard for me when I have um, multiple interviews in a day. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go through I know. That but, I can imagine. <laughs> but, Within, you know, a, a. I will end up... I will finish the wine. So. Yeah. And right now, you know, after after everything with the craziness of everything that's happening politically, a lot of wine is interesting. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wine's always good. Yes. So you are not originally... We are recording at your home in San Diego. Yeah. But you're not originally from San Diego. No. You're from the LA area. Yeah. Um, what part of LA are you from? Um, I'm from the San Fernando Valley, but it's not the valley that you see
1: in Clueless. I Hey, when people are like you know clueless yeah like, oh the valley girls it, there's a whole another part of the valley uh there is that part of the valley though just you know but that's not where uh, we're from but la is really interesting because you can be blocks away from like in a super nice rich area and then you could be like in the hood you yeah. know like a few minutes away so i'm in a little town uh it's my parents live in somewhere now but we were born like i was raised in san fernando the actual city of san fernando my parents and my family's all from fuquema they're all literally like Pacoima to San Fernando is five minutes. San Fernando is so much five minutes. So it's like a very, where everybody like knows each other. It's kind of like that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've been to the Valley for certain things. What well, part of the Valley? Cause there's all different parts of the Valley too. That's yes. what people don't understand. They're like the, the San Fernando Valley is, it depends where you go.
0: <laughs> okay. So well, I have a question too. because yeah. isn't North Hollywood, like mm-hmm. to me, it's so weird that you have Hollywood and North Hollywood and they're nowhere near each other.
1: Yeah, they're two different places. Like they're not completely. even the same vibe, not no. even the same people. So North Hollywood is about 15 minutes uh south of my parent of where I grew. up. Okay. Yeah.
0: See? I told you. I'm yeah. In the valley? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's it's a different part of the valley. Yeah. I thought it was cool. They have some <laughs> cool bars. <laughs> it's not like I I mean, I was never really an LA person. We would go to me and my friends would go to clubs once we hit 18 mm-hmm. and stuff. We went on the clubs, but it's not like I knew. It. I mean, plus I'm from San Diego. Yeah, LA so. is so big compared to San Diego. I love San Diego. I love the, but it's just such a different life up in LA.
1: So different.
0: <laughs> so tell me about growing up in that in LA and and what your childhood was like.
1: Um, well, I had I grew up with uh, my two brothers and my parents, and I wouldn't. You know, it's funny because people like I always say like I grew up in the hood, but people think that that's poor, and I don't look back thinking it was poor. You know, so in where we're from and it's hard to explain unless you've been there. There's definitely hoods that are poor. Yeah. Then there's hoods that are middle class, but they're still hood AF, you know? Yeah. I'm it um, you can guess it's okay. okay I don't know. <laughs> My mom's gonna listen and be like, really? Can you not? Um so my mom did. Hey, at least your mom listens. I don't think my mom's even listened to. A oh, episode. really? You know, I think my mom used to listen, but she stopped because she used to always text me, but she, I haven't got a text message. So she might've <laughs> gave up on me too. I my
0: mom heard some of the things because like, I have a couple episodes on like sexuality and stuff uh, like that. So okay. I she think probably she, wouldn't like it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what she would do to me. I would probably, her favorite phrase when it comes to you is is IJ. I know. So she'd be like, she'd probably message me, IJ, did you really have to say that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I
1: like that most of my family is in LA because they don't, like some of them now, because of the app and the iHeartRadio app, you can listen wherever, but they don't listen. Like if I was on the radio in LA, I think I would be getting in a whole bunch more trouble just <laughs> for things I said. But, anyways, where I grew up, it's, I mean, it's, it's all Mexican. And I didn't realize how Mexican it was until I left. And I'm okay with that. I'm great with that. But I didn't realize how like, it's like, (laughs) like you can't like, I didn't, that's how I grew up. So I didn't realize it. I went to college. I was like, Oh dang, there's people out there that the Mexican, there's even Latinos that are not Mexican. What? I didn't even understand. Right. Yeah. Like growing up, it was all Mexican. I would say like 98% maybe. Um, And um, it's an area where it's like, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's I don't feel like I grew up poor, right? I feel like my parents worked hard or whatever, but we definitely were not rich. You know, so I would say like lower middle class is maybe what it is, but there are lots of gangs and, and it's lower or lower middle class, depending where you are. Um, it's lots of gangs, you know. I have so many friends who I love and but they all got pregnant at like 14, 15, and it's just kind of what it is, right? You know, going to a uh, party. It's funny because when I look back now, I didn't. When I was growing up, I didn't feel like afraid or feel. But you go, you look back now, like damn, what was I doing? You know, <laughs> like, that's we, where you grew. Like, up. That's I was going to parties and clubs at like thirteen, fourteen. You know, in Hollywood, and 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 you go to a party, a house party, and it it's over when. You hear gunshots, right? And that's very normal. It's not even scary, almost. Like, I mean, you duck for a second and then you go home, you know? And I. It I becomes do,
0: normalized in Oh, it's very
1: normalized. And so that's just kind of. But then when you go out of it, I realize there's some people in this world who have never even heard a gunshot. I'm like, oh, what? You know? So, and then you realize how not normal it is, but that was our normal, you know? And I honestly wouldn't trade it for the world. I feel like I learned a lot of street smarts there. I learned a lot of realness there and um, but now I live a different life so like seeing the contrast is different but all my family's still there so I just go
0: home and uh, you remember right back where you came from <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: my parents don't even live in our hometown anymore oh. so it's but I definitely go back because I'm just in North County, is where I grew up in Escondido. Yeah. So when I go sometimes to see friends and stuff, yeah, it brings it all back. Yeah, it does. Oh, right? Yeah, it brings it all back, and then you're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we definitely were just very middle middle class, yeah. but um, yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, we did crazy things, and I'm like, how did I, I know? How, how am I alive? I, sometimes it's funny because I don't like when I say when people ask me like
1: how you grew up the classes i really don't know because it was just our normal you know what i mean i don't feel like i never went starving but now looking back i'm like it definitely is not rich or even i don't even know middle class maybe i have no clue like i don't (laughs) i don't know but it was my uh, life but we definitely grew up like in the um whole like uh going to car shows every weekend. Like my dad has a bunch of oldies to this day and, and cruising around listening to oldies and the veterano music and all that. So that's like the culture I grew up in. Yeah. Um. And that not everyone grows up in that culture, but I really appreciate it now. Like the whole, you know, all that and freestyle music and all that stuff uh-huh. like that. That was
0: my life and I love it. So when I go back, it reminds me of all that. But you, so you played softball, right? You started yes. playing, how old were you when you started playing softball? young as fuck. Uh,
1: my parents were really into um, sports. And so they started us at a very young age. So I was probably like three or four. By the time I was seven, I was in all sorts. And by the time I was nine, I was traveling the country. I'm one of the top teams in the country. So I do think that sports kept me out of trouble. Um, by the time I was 10, we were like fifth in the nation. I remember going to Tennessee. What team were you on? Uh, it was the... I don't know, like a little travel team they had made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to 11, I was on the Valley Breeze and I played that all through, okay. which is a very... Uh, it was a good organization. I when,
0: a when I think of Southern California travel teams, I think of like bat, the Bat Busters. Bat Busters to, yeah. yeah. So we played it. How do you know the Batbusters? <laughs> I played softball
1: too. My oh, okay. sister actually played on the uh, Batbusters. Oh, there, she must have yeah. been good then. Yeah. Uh So yeah, we played the Bat Busters. So I, my travel team was the Valley Breeze. So that was probably when I was like 11, 12 and all through high school. Uh, we were the, really the only competitive team in the area but we played the Batbusters, the Firecrackers, the Cruisers, like all those teams, mm-hmm. um, uh, right there with them. So yeah, so I played that all my life. Very competitive. I mean, that was my life all the way into college.
0: What do you? So I, because I feel the same way. I know um, I was the kid though, who would pull my parents to do stuff. Right, mm-hmm. my parents weren't like, oh, do this. I was like, oh, I want to be a popcorn cheerleader. Oh, I want to play softball. Oh, I want to do yeah. this. So, and then my sisters would end up following what i did since i'm the oldest how, how was that like your brothers did they do the same types of things yeah so, i mean because obviously in that area your parents are doing that like you said to try and keep you out of trouble to give you focus on something yeah
1: my pa- my mom was really good at softball too like if she would have grew up like she grew up in the projects and if she grew up in a different um Maybe with a different economic background or whatever, she'd for sure win the Olympics. To this day, she's probably better than me. So she, I think, she really wanted me to be like her. <laughs> and uh, my dad was very athletic, so we were all in sports. My my brothers were really good at sports too. And I will say that, um, when they when my brother stopped playing sports is when he started getting into trouble. And so I do think that there is a correlation to that. Um, I'm not saying that's why, because I believe in. Destiny, whatever's supposed to happen is gonna happen. But I do think that sports because we when you're playing such competitive and you've if your sister played on the Batbusters, you get it. That is your life. You don't have time to do other stuff. I, actually, I did find time to go to the arena and the clubs and stuff, but <laughs> um, but you for the most part, you're really, you know. And so my brothers were the same, but um, it definitely wasn't us. I think it was my parents. They really pushed us and they have a uh, they have a love for it. To this day, the Dodgers are in the playoffs. They're like, are you watching? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like they're just huge sports fanatics. Um, so they really... They put us in the sports. I wouldn't say... I wasn't like you. <laughs> I was like, can I have a break? I don't want to play anymore. I tried to quit at like 13 and then I went back.
0: <laughs> no, I would get hurt because I would... I would just play so hard and I would end up getting hurt. For, mm-hmm. Like, I, I was a catcher. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many concussions I've had. Really? Um, yeah, because I remember one time where, you know, you... Tossed the ball, hit it into the fence, pregame warmups. Yeah. It hit the pole <laughs> and ricocheted. Oh my God. Hit me in the head. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And that was bad luck. Yeah. And I was supposed <laughs> to. Yes. That's not like normal. No. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like someone ran into you or something. Oh, that's happened too. Yeah. Slid into third, tore all the ligaments in my ankle because the, the, uh, the base lifted when the third baseman was on and my foot oh, wow. so went directly under it and my body kept going. Wow. So my mom I was the one my mom would threaten me. You keep getting hurt. I'm gonna take you out. And I'd scream back, No, you're not taking yeah. me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's funny. Yeah. I never got her into college. I broke my um like this finger. I don't know what it's like. Securing finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but
0: I never got hurt playing all those ears crazy i'm not sure why (laughs) (laughs) so what was your relationship because are you the youngest i'm the oldest you're the oldest so what was your relationship with your
1: younger brothers uh we were really close it's funny because you know they're not here anymore and i'm sure we'll talk about that but um you kind of forget sometimes you know and i have no bad memories with them they were thriving vessels. like they were always in trouble (laughs) since like my youngest brother because we all went to the same school in elementary school, because we're all very close in age. And the teacher would pull me out to go get him because he would be at the top of the jungle gym, not wanting to come in. My other brother would be um, in the principal's office every single day. I was always the really good kid. Like they were the brats and I was the good kid, you know, <laughs> they were always like the cops would show up at the door because they're throwing water balloons at cars on the end of the street, you know, oh things like God. that. Like they were always into <laughs> something, but me, as far as me and them, we were like, my parents always said that we're like, we were like best friends. So they were really protective of me, even though they were younger. I mean, we weren't, that was like just a year or two apart, all of us. Um, but they were always protected me and we never, I never fought with them. Like they fought with each other cause they were really close in age and mm-hmm. but they're best friends, but they still fought. I never, we were like best friends. It's crazy. Cause most families I think, and brothers and sisters that I understand have these like, ups and downs and maybe they didn't live long enough to have that. But we were like best friends all growing up. And I even asked my mom recently, I was like, how were we? Am I just remembering some facade, you know? She's like, no, you guys never fought. (laughs) You guys were always like on the same team. But they were always in trouble and I wasn't, okay?
0: (laughs) 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 I just watched it and be like, oh God, what happened now? Well, especially when there's three, because it always ends up being like two on one, because I have two younger sisters and it would always end up being like, ganging up right yeah. it always ends up being too i wanted. think because you guys are
1: sisters right yeah. i think there's a
0: different dynamic with two boys and a girl because i
1: didn't i never had sisters i don't know what that feels like i don't think sister and brother well i don't know because my niece and nephew they fight a lot too so i don't know it was <laughs> never like that um, but it wasn't with that for you guys no not not for me i they i think they probably fought a little bit but they're boys yeah so what what point did they stop playing sports um my Brother Steven, he, um, played he stopped playing in ninth grade and it was cause he didn't have the grades to play. Um, and my other brother though, he played all the way up until he passed. Um, they 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 were two very different, mm-hmm. different people.
0: So you end up going, did you, when you go to, when you went to college, blah, blah, um, where did you end up going? Were you, did you stick by close um, to home? I
1: got a softball scholarship to go to Loyola Marymount university. Um, I, there was a few, um, but I was such a, you know, I grew up everywhere we we're from, everyone we we're from never leaves. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm a big um, believer in like, you should leave your city at some point. But back then I wasn't because you're like, oh, you know, so And Mary is like 45 minutes from my house. <laughs> it's like the LA airport is where we fly out. But I lived on campus and I moved there and I was able to go home on the weekends and it was far enough, but close enough for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I almost came to San Diego State and I almost transferred too, but I stayed there. I love loyal. It was a good experience there.
0: So actually that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, what was your experience? I don't know the dynamic in regards to diversity there. Oh, there's no
1: diversity. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe now. I'm not saying anything. I know they try, but it's all white people. Like, and I when I say and again, when I say white people, that's just how I talk. I'm not I'm not prejudiced or racist, whatever. But when I went there, I was I grew up around all Mexicans. The only white well, there was white kids in my high school, but they the white kids at where we grew up were more like The same, right? So I'm talking about like white kids from like Arkansas and you know Wisconsin. That's a whole different breed over there. And I've learned to appreciate them as I gotten older. But when I went to college, it was my first time of like, wow, I'm a minority. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize you
0: went from majority to minority.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there was all these people from all over the country that had accents and like, oh, like what the heck? And then the Latinos that I met there, hardly any of them were Mexican. I was still like, (laughs) like they were like, you know. Uh, like my friends Bolivian and Ecuadorian and Cuban. And and I had never met anything other, literally, than Mexican. Where I grew up, it's Mexican and that's it, you know? So it was a big culture shock, I will say. Um, It's predominantly white there. Um, It was there. That was a while ago. I don't know how it is now. Um, But we... Little like, you know, Latino Business Student Association. We started the first Latina sorority ever there on campus. It's still there to this day, and it's recognized by campus, which is a huge deal. Um, so we made our
0: little mark there. It was fun. So, what made you decide? Like, what obviously, because some people would look at it and say, "Okay, well, it is what it is." You also looked at it and said, "Okay." I want to, you obviously looked at it in some way and said, I want to connect, make sure that we're all connected in some way by starting the first Latina sorority. What was like, like what was the catalyst for that. Why we started it? Yeah. Do you really want to hear this? Yes. Story? Oh, now I
1: really do. <laughs> it's funny because we talked. I went to my reunion and I was the founding president. So I told the story. Wait, actually, did I tell the story? I don't know. I'll tell you this. I might have changed it a little bit because it's, <laughs> it's not what you would think. <laughs> so there was only one Latina sorority on campus. They were not recognized by Loyola because to be recognized, you have to go through this whole process, right? At the time, there was no minority sor- uh, sororities or fraternities recognized. But they were like kind of underground. So they did it crazy hazing. like, I mean, the stuff they did to them was just ridiculous. And um, I was never into stories. Like anyone knows me like, when I say I was a president, they're like, what? Is that the same person? Yeah. Um, but a lot of my girlfriends, because I naturally gravitated to the Latinos in my dorm. So we all became friends, right? So they were all pledging it. I was playing softball. I was just whatever. And I just remember they would come to my room every night at like midnight crying and falling and like telling me the stuff that the sorority went to them. I'm like, why are you guys doing this? They're like, well, we don't really connect with any of the other ones because they were all like white, like typically white sororities. And that was the only, their only option. And I said, ah, fuck them. Let's start our own. <laughs> <laughs> not knowing what I was getting myself <laughs> into, right? And they're like, really? So by within the next week, they had all quit. So there was like five of them. Oh, like, so you were like really on the hook. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, oh shit, we got to start our own. Okay. How do we do this? Right. How do you even start a sorority? Right. Um, but I'm very like, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm do it. Right. And they really, so it was really my girlfriends that wanted to do it. Like not really me, but um, we researched the sororities. We found one like, we wanted definitely a Latina basis, Latina base, it's but it's considered a multicultural one. Um, so we wanted something like that. We wanted something that would be aligned with the values and the culture and everything we did. And so we looked into it and it took, um, Whole freshman year and sophomore year to actually because there's a lot to start. You can't just like, hey guys, let's just start a sorority. <laughs> That's what I thought, but it's not like that. it's
0: not like our the alert nerd. <laughs> no, down no, down no, down no, no,
1: you have to get a certain amount, you have to, you know, there's lots of requirements. So we put in a lot of work and we started, we founded it with 13 girls. And now, I mean, we just went to the reunion, there's hundreds and hundreds, and they're still there. And it's amazing. What um, um, yeah. sorority is it? Sigma Lambda Gamma, okay, Alpha Beta chapter. There's one at San Diego State, too. Um, they have them all over the country uh, the country. But, um, so yeah. So then, I mean, that was a really short story to a long version. It was a lot more, (laughs) how about when you, before you make statements, think about it, guys, same (laughs) with my dogs. I love my dogs, but I just got them. I'm kind of like when I feel passionate about something, I just say it and then have to do it, you know? And then you're like, Oh shit. But it's, you know, I love my dogs. I love the story, (laughs) but was it easy? No. (laughs) (laughs) But you would, would you do it again? Absolutely. Um, to, to this day, the, some of those girls are some of my best friends. And even though we're all over the country or different, you know, we all meet up around, we try to meet up like once a year around Christmas in, in LA and have a dinner. And then last year we all went to Miami for, so we, we make an effort to like meet up and they're some of my best friends. And I would have never met them had it
0: not been for the sorority. So, what did you study? What did you, I was a started. business marketing major. How do you give... Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of people, right? I'm actually friends with a couple of people in radio as well, who started like literally in community college. They Mm -hmm. started and some didn't even go to community college. They just were like, wanted to apply and and everything started as like street team people. How do you go from like being a business major to going into radio? Well...
1: So I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry, like all my life. I've known that. And, um, but it's in LA, it's really hard. And so I didn't want to, I knew how much, you know, Loyal is an expensive school, even though I got a scholarship, we we're still paying some of it. And
0: I just, in my I head, mean, back, just if you just have to pay for books, you're paying yeah. hundreds of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Fucking ridiculous. And yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so I
1: thought, you know what? I'm just going to get a business degree because I could use a business in anything I do. Because I, I was somehow smart enough to know that I might change my mind, or you never know, you know. So I got a. So that's why I declared my business marketing major. But all my internships in college from day one were entertainment ones. So I was like, you know, I can always have a business degree to fall in, or I can always use the business degree. So um, I started interning everywhere. And one of them was at a radio station. And I entered there for like 9 months. And I started working on the street team. And it was the funnest job ever throughout college. And I never left, even though I tried it a lot of times. What were your other
0: internships?
1: Um, I worked at DreamWorks in PR... I worked at a music video production company, which was so much fun. That was my first one. I was like, I worked on like the Black Eyed Peas video. I did like all this. I thought it was so cool. Um, I worked for college magazines, um, University Connection. Do you remember all that? Like, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I worked for that. I was a writer. I thought I was thought I wanted to be a writer too. Um, and so I worked there. Where else did I work? Um the radio station, probably a few TV stations. I don't know. I was always, always working.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what made radio stick out versus
1: all these other things? Um So a lot of them were... Little internships, but the radio station, I loved everyone I worked with. Like everybody, we became like best friends. And it was just such a cool environment. I got free concert tickets and like it was just <laughs> fun. And I love music. I grew up around music. I love music all my life. You know what I mean? Um, I can tell by yeah. the decorations yeah. in your apartment. So it just felt like right at home there. And so when my internship was over, the promotions director was like, Hey, what are you doing after your internship? You want to work? Yeah, sure. So he hired me in the street team. It's minimum wage. But it just was so much fun. Like we got to go to so many events. And I would say the people and the environment and just, you know, being out and about, it just, it just was me. I never thought I was going to be on the radio though. I just just liked the
0: environment. I, I was
1: always like a fun job. I didn't think it could become a real job.
0: So when did it go from street team to a real job? Okay. Like, where, like how did you end up transitioning? So together? I worked there
1: all through... College, um, and then when I graduated, I was like, okay, now I gotta go get a real job, right? And so I got a job at Fox Sports TV as a sales assistant. And my boss at the radio station is like, no, no, you can't leave it. And I was like, why? Well, I can't, like, you know, I have to go get a real <laughs> job. I had <have> to agree <laughs> now, you know. And he's like, well, how about you just stay around and just when we have big events, like we had Wango Tango, we had all these big events, and or work every other weekend. So I was like, oh, that's easy. It's like my friends, you know. Yeah. So I was actually doing both jobs. Um and then I did that for about a year, and I could just never. And he let me work whenever I wanted. Like, hey, you want to work at this big concert? You want whatever? And then my brothers died. And then should we get into that? Because that's yeah, part of the story. I, 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 well,
0: I, I knew it was right after you had graduated college. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: So um, it was a year after I graduated college. My brother, who was 17 at the time, Matthew, he um. I'll just tell you how, what. So he went to where we're from. We go to flyer parties. Do you guys, did you guys do those? No, I don't know why it's like a Valley thing. It's weird because I have thought everybody knew about them. Every time what I started no clue what a party. But were we the only ones that did this shit? Um, so it'd be like either like warehouses or like it's like you get a flyer, you pay oh, ten bucks okay, to get in, okay. and it's just until it gets shut down, and then the cops come gotcha. and you go home. So he went to a flyer party, but which was very normal where we're from. Now I look back and I'm like, damn, if my niece and nephew went there, I'd beat their ass, dude. Uh, but back then, we go to raves. I actually went to a rave at the sports arena before. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of like that, you know, um, but they're different. Um, so he went to one other house and a pair, I wasn't there with him. He was with my other brother, Steven. And he got into he knew the girl at the door who was charging, He pay like five, 10 bucks to get in. And I don't know what happened. He called her a bitch. I, that's all, all I know. Then um, she went and told her boyfriend who was in the party who knew my brother too. So they had like, they knew each other from like eighth grade or something. And he, the boyfriend was on a bunch of drugs. And I know that from the court, like a shitload of drugs. He just came out and shot him in, in the party in front of like everybody. My other brother was right there. And that was it. Oh, yeah. And he was, my brother was 17. Matthew, he was a senior in high school. He was on the football team. I'm not gonna say he was perfect, but he was not um, in a gang, but where we're from, and it, even to this day, like I always joke with my boyfriend, like where we're from, you're always... Gangs are not weird to us. You know, like yeah. our family members are gang members are around, you know what streets to go down to and whatnot. It's not like you're always one person away or not even, you know? And so I'm my brother was not in a gang and I'm not saying he's perfect, but my other brother was, you know what I mean? And so you're always around it. So yeah. I'm not, I, I don't want to like downplay and say he was like, Innocent, did he deserve to be shot? Absolutely not. No. You know, um, was he innocent? Probably not, you know, a normal 17 year old, but he wasn't in a gang. Like he was playing football and stuff, but where we're from, everybody's in a gang. I so.
0: mean, it's just an argument that escalated yeah. into something and never needed to escalate yeah. into. And he was a senior in high school. He was 17 years old. So that
1: happened. Um, I remember February 1st, and there's a reason why I'm bringing up the dates. And then, so now my other brother, Stephen, who was 19 at the time, he. Um, he was in a gang by then. He was, you know, he was in a full on gang and it happened when I was in college. So I don't really, I would never seen him as that. Anyone that knows that has friend, family members that are gang members, like you don't see them as that. Like to me, he is the nicest, most loyal, most. He was your brother. Yeah. Most. Um, so I don't know what he did in that life. I wasn't around really. I was in college, but he was, he also had two kids at the time. My niece and nephew who are now. Dang. 17 and 18, about to be 18, 19, who I've helped raise. That's a whole nother story. Um, but he had them then. They were very little. So after that happened, my brother... I mean... It's crazy because people that are from the streets understand this, but people that are not don't. Right. So, you know, when my br- he was with my brother when he got shot and he didn't want to testify. Right. Because where we're from, you don't snitch. Yeah. And to this day, I probably wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's just not I know I'm evolved and whatever, but that's just like ingrained in us. And so I but at the time I was like, why don't if you just go testify, you saw him, you know, and he's like he he told me something. He said, I mean. I don't know. I'm gonna say this on podcast, but it's true. Uh, he said, he said, look, he's a uh, if I, if I, either way, he's going to get killed. That guy, yeah. he's like, he's a, uh, is a uh, if I, um, street yeah, justice or court justice? Yeah. It doesn't matter what I do. And it's true. So I've never checked on him. I don't know what happened with that guy. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but it was a very realization of like, I think that is epitome of where we grew up. If you're asking where we grew up, like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. that's very true you know? And so anyway, so my brother didn't testify. He went, the guy went the, by the way, the whole court system, that's a whole nother thing. So after that, my brother, Steven was trying to get his life straight. So my best friend's dad, George, he, um, he got him to work with him, um, far away. Cause where we're from, like, you just stay in the same area. So far away was like 45 minutes away. And he would go as like pipe fitters. I think he would go and he was doing a good, he was working at five o'clock in the morning, coming home, really trying to get everything for his kids. But Anyone that knows the gang, you can't just leave. Like unless you like move to another state and even then you better be careful. Yeah, You can't just leave. So he was trying his best. I remember I was living in Burbank at the time. He would come stay with me, but it's just really hard to get out of it. Like I would just tell him, come on, let's... It was crazy that I live in San Diego because back then I would tell him, look, let's move to San Diego. All like, we'll just start over there. And he did not want to do it because he just can't, you know? Mm -hmm. So six months to the day, he went to work, he came home and um, he was at my cousin's house and they were swimming. It was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon because uh, he worked early. And so it was like 3 or 4. And then they were going to the local park, somewhere Park where we're from, to play basketball. And my cousins were like... They were taking a shower. So they said, we'll meet you there. So he went ahead with his friend. They went in the gym. And the only reason I know this is because on the court, the, the kids that were testifying were little kids. They had an after-school program there for kids that were like... I mean, the little kid to me looked like six years old, maybe. Mm. So maybe like, I don't know how old. But uh, the little kid on the stand said that there was three black guys and there's three Mexican guys. The Mexican guys wanted to play with the black guys and basketball and they didn't want to. So the Mexican guy threw the ball at him and went to the other side. And the black guy went to the bench, pulled out a gun and shot him. In the auditorium, like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon... With all those kids around. So all those kids are probably traumatized to oh this day. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah.
1: And um, the kid that shot him was only 14 years old. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, um, and then my brother died later that night, but it was six months to the day at the same time, which is crazy. So July 1st, February 1st, July 1st. Sixth, oh my god! They died gosh. at the same time. Yeah. Gina, you lost your brother six months from yeah. each other? Yeah. And my grandma died two weeks before that. Yeah. So... Yeah. So my, my grandma was sick already, but she... So we've lost three people. You know, the whole thing, like you lose it them comes in, the in Yeah, I kind of believe that. I mean, I don't... Oh, like to I it's a totally believe it because it always happens.
0: I'm always yeah. waiting for yeah. the next one as,
1: as yeah. soon as it... Oh my so gosh. After that happened... So the first... After my first brother died, I was functioning and still going to work. After my second brother died, I... Literally, it was a blur after that. Like, I remember I quit Fox Sports. I don't even think I went back. And thankfully, everyone at Fox Sports to this day—they're still my friend. and they were so understanding. You know, they just said go. I didn't even like put in my two. I literally like my friend who was working packed up my stuff. I was living at an apartment in my house in um in Burbank. I moved back home with my parents. I don't remember even moving out. Like, luckily, whoever the tribe was that came in and like moved. I can't even remember. Like, I was just out of it after that. It was like horrible, you know what I mean? Because my brother Steven, we were like really close, and especially after Matthew died, we were super, super close. So that one really hit me. And then he had two kids too that were like one and two. They're only a year and two days apart, you know. And so um, I came back home to my parents' house, and I was—I literally didn't talk. Like, ask my friends that were around. Like, they would like when you go through something, you're just like in a daze, you know? Like.
0: It's can't even explain. You don't even wish it on your worst enemy. You know? I see like, I, you know how in the movies you just see somebody still and everything's just kind of passing yeah, by them. That's what real. I envision. Yeah, it's real. And that's how it was. It was all blurry. blur. You're just kind of
1: like a robot almost like you don't want to see anyone. I didn't talk to him. I got super skinny. That's when I started having an eating disorder because all I would do is wake up, go run five miles every day and sleep the rest of the day and not eat a thing. How did that affect everybody else too? Like you with your power, your parents, they were, I honestly, like everybody was just fucked up, you know, my dad. So my dad, um, I love my dad and I don't think he cares sharing with us. Cause he's pretty open with it, but he had a drug problem growing up while we were growing up. So he was in and out of the house. I grew up, about, I mean, I skipped a whole lot of my childhood, I guess I grew up about a lot of drug addicts, a lot of alcoholics. It's like very normal to me. Um, and Uh, He was in and out, but he had been sober and then he had a relapse after that. So that's how he dealt with it. Um, He's been sober now, but I remember that my mom to this day is not, you know, I mean, she, they function, but it's something that you can't even, you move on, but you'll never be the same ever. It does change your perspective on life completely. You know what I mean? Like little shit doesn't matter. Like, and, and even big shit doesn't matter. Like you, it really, really... Shows you what's important. Um, I think that's the good lesson that we learned. But at the time, you're just like, I don't even know. Like, it's just all a blur. Like, my mom retired then. She never went back to work to this day. Um, every, just anyone that's been super depressed knows what I'm talking about. Like, and I'm not talking about, I'm not downplaying, but like when you're really depressed and you know what that feels, that's a whole different feeling than I'm sad one day or whatever. Like, it's like you can't function, you can't eat, you can't talk, and you don't give a fuck. You know what I mean, and, and and
0: people try and talk to you, and you're not no. even you're not even feeling it. You're not even understanding. You don't care what anybody's no. saying. You don't give a fuck. Your feeling is numb.
1: Yeah. So I didn't work for an entire year, and I was just at home. I got super skinny. I remember one of my friends he came over and he's like, "Have you looked in the mirror? Like, what do you look like? You, you like fucking? What are you doing here? You know?" And I wasn't listening to anyone, but. I did that for like a year. And all of a sudden, so at the whole, same time, I was always employed by Kiss FM, the radio station, by the way, because I was never taken off the payroll. Um, but I wasn't talking to anyone. And I always say, before we move on, grieving is like everyone grieves differently. I hate when people judge people like, oh, well, they seem fine because they're out partying. Because I went through so many, like during that time, I would was dead and didn't fucking talk to no one. I also went and party a shitload with people that I probably shouldn't have been partying with just to get out. I also like everyone grieves with different and goes through waves. So you yeah. can never judge people when they lose someone. I always tell people that like, if you've never lost someone, you are blessed, but don't judge people that have let Absolutely. them go. through I mean, yes, help them when they want to be helped, but also... I, I really commend my friends who were there for me, even though I was probably like the biggest bitch and didn't return their calls and talk, but like hang in there for them. Realize that they're going through something that that you will never understand. You know what I mean? I hope you don't understand or you will at some point, but like, you know what I mean? Also, I think there's a difference between people that are sick and you're expecting to die and unexpected death is a whole different thing. And especially when it's younger people that you expect to live forever, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was at home for like a year, really depressed fucking skinny as fuck like just not eating like really just not healthy um and I wasn't answering my phone I don't even know if I had a phone I probably like just I don't even remember but my old boss at the radio station we're like again we're like a family there. Radio's like really like family and somehow he called my house phone and someone got me on the phone I'm like hello and this is what he said he said get the fuck out of that house. <laughs> and I was like, huh? he's like, you need to come back to work tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's just like, you can work as little as you want. You can go home when you want. You don't have to go out on the streets and set up the tents. Cause I fucking hated setting up those tents. And he's like, if you could just work in the office, you'd be on the promo team and no one hearing it. Cause I was really embarrassed at the time too, because that entertainment world is doesn't even know the fucking hood world. You yeah. know what I mean? So I thought that they would judge me, which by the way, they later on, they were also cool, but it was my own mind that I oh, people are going to judge me, whatever. He's like, no, one's even working here. The only people that work here, are your good friends. Like everybody else that won't even know, they don't even have to know what happened. You know, you're just a new employee. So I started work the next day and I went in and, um, he was true to his word. I didn't have to go on the streets. Um, and it was just kind of to get out of the house really. And about a month or so later, um, one of the big bosses, his name is John Ivy. And the reason I say, it cause anyone on radio music knows John Ivy. I didn't know who he was at the time. He said, uh, maybe it was a few months in, he said, he pulled me into his office and everyone was like, what the hell? But you know, when someone's a boss, but you don't really know what they do. Yeah. That? And he pulls me in and he's like, have you ever thought about being on the radio? And I'm like, like on the radio. And he's like, yeah, like talk. I'm like, no, because it was always just fun. He's like, what would you want to be? And I mean, what else was I doing? I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, all right, well give me an air check and we'll listen to it. And I was like, okay. And I walked back to my older bosses. Uh, his name is Kevin Secchi. I said, Kevin, John Ivy wants an air check. What the fuck is an air check? Like, I don't know. Cause (laughs) in LA, you're not even allowed to go in the studios unless you're the DJ. Like it's like, you know, you don't mess with anything. And he's like, what? So luckily by then I had made so many friends there. Uh, my, this producer, Tony, he took me in the studio, told me what to say, recorded it, like, I didn't know anything. And they really worked with me. Like, because I think I had become friends with them. I gave, came back and gave John Ivy the air check after a few got thrown away, they kept throwing them away, like, no, that sucks. Don't, don't get it together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, an Air Check is kind of like a demo, yeah. you know, but I didn't know anything about that. And, um, pulled him in and he listens to it for like 20 seconds as he turns it off. And I'm like, oh shit, by the way. Oh, so I know, John Ivy is like, like Justin Bieber shouts him out. Like he's Ryan Seacrest's boss. Like he, any big radio DJ in the country, he found them. Any artist, he broke the record. So he, this guy is like, like Google him. He's fucking huge, right? So that's who it was, right? The time I didn't know, I was just like, this. What little, a
0: huge, like, what a huge break, right? The, yeah. Like, How
1: often does that happen, right? Never. It's destiny, right? And. And so he's like, he stops. He's like, okay, well, we need someone um, to do like go out on the streets, like do call-ins. Like, hey, I'm out here in the corner, blah blah blah. Come get some free stuff, and we'll pay you like five hundred dollars each time you go out. Oh, He's always like, that good. I was like, yes, like <laughs> I, like that was so much money to me at the time. You know, I was like, hell yeah, I gotta, just got to do one event a month or two events, you know. Um, but yeah. So later, it's funny because years later, I had lunch with him. I was like, why did you choose me? Because now, like being a radio and understanding how it works, like that is unheard of, right? He's like, look, he's like, when I would go to events, he's all, you are always working super hard, right? He's like, I can teach anyone to be good on the radio. I can't teach people how to work hard. You were always the hardest person, hardest working person in that room. And so I knew I could teach you how to be good on the radio. I can't teach people work ethic. That's what he told me. And so I was like, yeah. So I was like, okay. Um, So after that, I started doing call-ins. And then I was so, I think... Do you you feel like that helped bring you back to, to life again. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say because I really threw myself into work. So I would stay at the radio station from like 8 a.m. to... Till- 3 o'clock in the morning because there's always someone on the radio, right? <laughs> and it was just kind of became the hang. I wasn't working that whole time. But then I started working, helping, working on the nighttime show. And I would just like tag along with the red carpet reporting, my friend Manny on the streets. And I'd go out with him and we'd call it and JoJo on the radio was a nighttime DJ. And, and um, I was literally working on their show for free, just for fun. And I think in a way, it was a coping mechanism to not have to go home and think about my life. So I literally worked there from 8am till... Jojo went home at, cause we would come back to the show like till two o'clock in the morning every day, like, or maybe going at 10. And like, it was just crazy. Like, but it was so much fun. So I started going on the red carpets. And one day, um, I did that for like a year and I was doing working on the Friday night party show. So I was just like that person that was just helping with everything. Like, thinking back, yeah, it was probably because like I didn't want to go home and I didn't want to go back to reality. And that was just my sub reality kind of. Yeah. But I learned so much during that time. And, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, so when Ryan Seacrest came on the station, he took Manny up to a show. So Manny's position needed to be filled. So Jojo, who is the nighttime DJ, said, I don't want to audition anyone. Well, wait, actually, backtrack. Before that, um, I remember this is when I proved myself and I love telling this story because there was a Lindsay Lohan, like in LA, there's always some kind of red carpet. There, yeah. There's always something to do. So there was um there was a Lindsay Lohan album release party, and there was the James Bond premiere. So JoJo couldn't figure out where to send Manny. And I was like Manny's assistant. So he said, he put me on the phone. He's like, Gina, hey, would you be comfortable going to the James Bond premiere by yourself? I was like, yeah, sure. I was scared as fuck. Like, (laughs) I was like, I've never gone without Manny. I don't know what to do. But but I've been with him enough times, but you know, you're scared. But I just, I was always confident. I always say, you know, people are like, oh, don't fake it till you make it. No, fuck that shit. Fake it till you make it, but work hard and figure it out. Because I really feel like you can figure out whatever you want. So, Manny went to interview Lindsay Lohan and I went to the James Bond premiere. So I'm this like little Latina girl, and they have, everyone has these big cameras. And what we would do is we call the reception live, give the celebrity the phone, and they would go on the phone live on the radio. Oh my right? God. But you got to remember on Rick Carpets, it's like craziness. To yeah. get them to stop to you is crazy. So Pierce Brosnan, James Vaughn was walking and I think he sees. I had such a crush on him since Remington Steel, right? (laughs) He sees like this little Latin girl, like handing him the phone. And I think he just grabbed it. Everybody was looking at me like, who the fuck are you? Like (laughs) E News, Us Weekly, all these people. (laughs) And he stops for me. I also think I was significantly younger at the time. I was smaller than everybody. Like, everyone was like, who the fuck is this girl? You know? And I dressed super chill. You know, I always dressed super chill. Like, so even then, like, I was wearing a carpet and I was like in a hat and fucking shots, you know? <laughs> and um, he stops on the phone. So the first interview I got for JoJo was Pierce Brosnan. And so after that, he trusted me. So for, so he, whenever Manny was out or whenever they needed two people, I just would fill in. And so when Manny went to Ryan secrets, JoJo said, I don't want to audition anyone. I just want Gina. So I became the red carpet reporter for the radio station. And then about a long story short, about a year, and I started getting all these calls from different... places around the country saying, Hey, we want you to do mornings, like come audition. I was like, at the time, I still wasn't convinced that I wanted to do radio. And I was like, I don't want to move anywhere. This is my fun, you know, blah, blah, blah. But one of them was San Diego. And I've always loved San Diego. Like I grew up coming here. I came here during college, my friends like whatever. And some of my friends from LA worked in San Diego. They're like, just come audition. And I came down and I auditioned. And um, again, JoJo did my air chair. I had a lot of help because I still didn't really know what I was doing. In LA, you can't just go in the studio they don't let you just talk on the mic here yeah. maybe not an LA. i auditioned um and i was moved down that like in a week and i got the job moved down in a week i was the last girl to audition they had already like pretty much picked the girl um and i got the job moved down for a week and i've been here it's been 14 and a half years wow and so who was your first co-host aj uh aj's playhouse he's the first one who and i was very green and i asked him and it's funny because he's like why did you choose me too and he's like you know you just had that star quality like i knew i could teach you and and like we i know that you would he told me one time i knew that you're going to become bigger than me one time like i just knew but it was okay he they always thought i was going to move back to la which i thought too um but I came down here and I think part of the reason why I liked me is because I didn't have experience in radio. So I was very raw. I just said whatever. And it wasn't like staged. And I didn't I didn't realize I was talking to a million people per week. Yeah. Which I by the way, I quickly realized like i <laughs> toned it back a little bit. But back Wait, then I
0: wanted you to tell the story what you were told because being from LA, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm you're from LA, I'm from San Diego. Yeah. And I, I, when we went at lunch, I was like, yeah, I'm not a really, I'm not really an L.A. person. It's not that I don't like L.A. I just don't care to live in L.A.
1: San Diegans hate
0: L.A. L.A.
1: people love San Diego. I don't hate, we don't hate L.A. But you just like L.A. loves San Diego. San Diego hates
0: L.A., okay? <laughs> Let's just be honest. Let's be real here. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not hate. Don't confuse like I think we're like San Diego. We're just so, I mean, you've been here long enough. We're just very chill. We're just like, like the LA is always so much, so much hustle and bustle. Our, our downtown is a different, I mean, our downtown is off the water. Yeah. Like, you know, what it's funny always... is LA come, people come here, they like, they come here to relax. Like it's so like chill here. Yeah. Even downtown. Oh my God, it's so chill here.
1: <laughs> 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 and sure, you're here, San Diego's downtown is crazy, but yeah. it's really not. No, it's um, totally not. But I mean, yeah, I know when I first moved here, they're like, Hey, minimize talking about it from LA. Cause no one likes LA people. I was like, really? <laughs> then I realized like, like, they do not like LA people. So for the first year I didn't really it's not that we lied about it. We just didn't really talk about it. Because they when you're the new girl, people are hate. And this this is part of my story. So the first year, people hated me here. Like I would get the meanest messages, like you're fat, you're ugly, like blah, 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 all this time. I was like, what the fuck? I don't even want to be on the radio. What? Cause at that time I still didn't think I was meant to. I was just it was just a oh job. Oh my gosh, here you are. I know. Like a coveted thing. Yeah. Ever. And I had the, my first contract was a one-year contract. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm like, fuck these people. Because I'm from the hood, okay? Like, if you talk shit to me, like, I I have changed a lot now. But back then, I was like, oh, bitch, you know, don't come at me, you know? Do not make me take off my earrings. Yeah, (laughs) but I couldn't do that anymore. And it was just like, it was a really hard transition for me to like deal with the criticism of people because people are are really mean. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't necessarily want to be there. So I was like, what the hell? You know, it was kind of just a job. But my mom always said, you can't, Mija, you can't leave your contract. Like you, you signed up, you finish it, then you could come home. So I was like, fine. And I w- I really wanted to quit because there was just people like, I just couldn't handle it. And I felt like I was going to snap on someone and it just wasn't going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, But the reason what made me stay in radio forever is before that year was up. And I was going to quit after my year. I was like, done. I was like, this is not for me. I'm more of a behind the scenes person, blah, blah, blah. Um... I shared the story of what happened to my brothers on the radio. I don't even know how it came up, but I shared it. And I, I have never to this day got so many emails, so many messages, people thanking me for sharing my story, people relating what I touched people with that story. And so, you know, th- that's when I realized look, most of the time we're joking around, having fun. Our job is to entertain, right? Yeah. But when we do have something serious to say, people listen. And if I can, help people that way when it's important, then I could deal with the, you're fat, you're this, you're that, you're stupid, whatever the comments are. And that day is when I realized, okay, I'm going to put my ego aside and I'm going to deal with this because when I have something important to say to this day, people listen and people connect to you. And to me, that's more important than a few haters or whatever. Um, so I didn't quit. And I am still here, 14 years later. <laughs> but that was the last time I tried to quit. But I always say, I tried to quit radio so many times. Quit, like before, like it was, it's crazy looking back. Like there was a, like God was kept saying like,
0: nah, you're not quitting. Nah, you're not quitting, you know? So what made you, cause you touched on something. You said you're a, a lot different than, yeah. and I've gotten to know you like, I uh, like an energetic type mm-hmm, of side, mm-hmm, spiritual side. Mm-hmm. What was the, the catalyst that made you start exploring that side of yourself? Um, so I think, you know,
1: so when I, I never fully healed from my brother's death. Um, I was depressed and then I threw myself into work and even here, I threw myself into work for the first however many years. But I will say that when you deal with, and everyone will deal with, uh, grief in their own time, but it, it's gonna hit you at some point. Yeah. And for me, it hit me probably when I was here probably for four years. And I started getting sick. And I had like fibroid tumors. I had all these like like different things. And um my body was showing me like you gotta deal with your shit. And I still kinda dealt with it, started like dealing into like the healing stuff and all that. But um one day I met this girl who uh, my friend Vanessa who uh, was an energy healer. And I had, since my brother's dad, I've seen so many therapists and I'm not against therapy. Um, I always say, find what works for you. I personally couldn't find a good therapist that I really liked. Right. So I didn't know that there was even a whole nother realm. Right. She's like, you should do a uh, theta healing. I'm like, what the hell is theta healing? Yeah, you know, it's like energy. <laughs> so she kind of explained it, whatever. I met her on a random trip, like in a random hotel. Like it was just, meant to be, right? I came back and I did a session with her. And one session with her did more for me than 5 years of traditional therapy ever did for me. And so I was like, whatever this is, I want it. And I started seeing her uh, every 2 weeks for an entire year and it changed my life. And I will always say that. And then I started... um, I'm a natural learner. So I'm like, okay, well, what the fuck is she doing? You know, what is this energy healing? What is this, you know, and it's hard to explain unless you do a session. Yeah. Um, But you're pretty much moving out old beliefs. Like, cause we have, we carry so much shit from like our childhood and traumas and stuff. And yes, you could talk about it, but are you releasing it? Right. So it's a combination of talking and releasing that energy from your body and miraculously you start healing. Right. And, um, and then I started, I wanted to learn more. So I started taking classes and (laughs) I'm a certified Theta Healer now and I do it on the side. I don't, and at first I was kind of,
0: not embarrassed I'm embarrassed to talk about him. it. What? Make You. Yes, whatever. Him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I was um not embarrassed, but you know, in the Latino culture, they're like, oh, you're witches or whatever. But it's so not that. You know? Cheers to Brujas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what you think until you do your session. Everyone I've ever done sessions, like, oh my God, this shit's amazing, you know? Yeah. So it's not anything like that. But, it, you know, we come from Latino background where they're like, ah, you know, because I'm sure like
0: all that. I've happening. recently started doing tapping. Yeah, I did that in one of my sessions. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I do because you know we've talked about like how we both have issues in regards to um, our cycles and everything like that. And my friend got her certification and everything and and tapping, and so she walked me through it. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed for me is that the Pain gets really intense when I initially do it. And then I'm completely exhausted. I fall asleep and I wake up feeling so much better. Yeah. It has to be released. Yeah. And what
1: people don't think is that emotional... Traumas that turns into physical pain. In my belief, and I'm not a doctor, don't quote me, but like cancer that doesn't fucking just show up. I'm sorry. That is years of you not dealing with shit, years of you going through traumas. We're not taught in schools how to release this emotionally, mentally and all that. We just go to the doctor and get a pill and that's like a Band-Aid. It's not, and I'm not against that because I think it's a combination of both, but I'm saying you really need to focus on the core of the problem. And a lot of the core of the problem with health, with mental health, with all that stuff is shit we've gone through and we're just and especially in the Latino culture, like we don't talk about shit. We don't like, you don't show oh, your emotions. It's done. It's you done. don't cry, it's done, it. move past it. And that's just, and for me, cause I had gone through so much and we, I mean, I skipped over a lot of stuff, but I saw a lot of stuff in my childhood that people should not see, you know? Like, I mean, a lot, I grew up around drug addicts, alcoholics, like it's very normal to me. Like I grew up really quick, you know? And all that shit was in me. And then my brothers, and then like, I don't want to die at 30, you know? And so... It was just like a volcano building up. And I still think... And so I started working myself and I'm still working myself and I work with all these energy healers. I go to... regular. I go to an endocrinologist too, but I do like... I try to do everything and I always say, find what works for you and do more of that. And it's changed my life. Like it really has. Now I always say like, I'm still from the hood, right? But <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, you know, my job really made me, it's not worth it. Like I worked too hard to get where I'm at to let some dumb person I'm not going to get in a fight on the street whatever. Yeah. I've learned and also I grew up, we're fighters. Where we're from, we're taught to our defend ourselves, right? And that my brother's um fighting mentality is probably what got them killed. You know what I mean? I don't think that's a reason to get killed, but your mouth can get you killed. Yeah. Right. And so is it worth it? You know, and that's what really made me stop. So I'm not saying that my initial reaction sometimes is to like talk shit back or do whatever, but I've worked hard to not be like that anymore. Yeah. So if, if that's your question, like I work hard to not, I know it gets you in trouble. I know it's not good. I know we need to evolve for the future it's still in me. I'd always say, I just said that today, like you can't ever take, but I've really worked with a lot of healers to like change who I am and change the cycle because, you know, I grew up <laughs> around grandmas that are still getting arrested for being up people i mean i just had a story with my mom not my mom but someone else about something i'm like really you know but that's just where we come from you know like you're in court because you just beat up a girl oh my god you're a grandma you know
0: um well i don't want to be be that and i want to be honest um i have cousins my age who are grandmas so exactly that's but still would you want to go to a jail no. exactly it's like I've I feel had like, to hold myself that, yeah. and I didn't. I would. I wouldn't consider where I didn't grow up in the hood, yeah. right? But I definitely have hood tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Right? It's a,
1: hoops. It's, a hoops. it's yes. Uh, but it's just kind of you realize, like I also want to be in a better example for my niece and nephew, um, who I helped raise, and who. Are like my, I'm not going to say they have a mom, so I'm not saying I'm their mom, but they're like my kids. You know what I mean? Like I supported them all their life. I'm really, really close to them. I want to be a better example. I want to stop the cycle. I don't want to just keep going. And if they can see me being successful and like changing, you know, you're changing the narrative for your whole family. And at some point I became aware of that. And so I know it's my responsibility to be like that.
0: How has that helped you in regards to, because I'm sure being in entertainment and being a public figure, Uh it, it can take its toll. Yes. You're not always going to yes. get along with people you work with. And how has has this helped you deal with those types of things? energy? As well, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, energy healing and all this spiritual stuff helps every part of your life. I think um, it helps you understand other people better. It helps you understand where they're coming from. Using your intuition to make decisions in business, like it has changed my life. Like the second. Yeah, it helps everything. I mean, I would say it's it's more like it started it's like self exploration Who am I? Like you know, it start very basic, but you can really go deep into a lot of this stuff and I encourage people to do it when you're ready. I think everybody some people are not ready. But yeah. when you're ready, like, I'm a big meditator. I think meditating changed my life also. You know what I mean? And that's a skill that I think everybody should do. I wish they taught that in schools. Yeah.
0: I've, I've heard some like starting to where they they're like doing yoga and yeah, things like that yoga. to be able yoga. to yeah. to release that. Do you foresee your future in San Diego? Um, so it's funny because I used to
1: always have a plan. I'm going to go back to LA and I almost did. I almost, that's a whole nother story. I almost was going to work with Ryan C. Chris. Um, Is but- that when Karen left or Karen. Ellen, Ellen K left? Yeah, Ellen K left. Yeah. I'm I was sorry. up for that job. And that's a whole nother... I'll tell you off. I can't <laughs> can tell you up here, but that's a crazy story. But um, after that, after that didn't happen, I realized I'm... And I started getting into all the stuff, like what we believe, people that believe in spirituality and the universe and all that, like, the universe has a plan. We don't have a plan, right? I, I believe in being a good person and working hard and giving back, and I I trust that the universe and God and whatever it is you believe in, um, will lead you to where you're supposed to be. Right. So I don't have a plan. Like I'm gonna go. Like I I used to be like that. Now I just. I had to let that go. Yeah, Yeah. I I just live in the present, and so far it's worth. Like every when you are working on yourself and working hard and being a good person and just putting out the right energy, the right people, the right situations, the right—you don't even have to work for it. Almost, I know that sounds crazy, and the hardest part is people trusting that. But when you can really, really get to that point, you understand what I'm talking about.
0: No, I totally get that because before I even moved back down to San Diego, because I lived, I've lived. I think I've I've hit all of the Southwest pretty yeah. much. i lived in New Mexico for a couple of years. I lived in Arizona for a year. I lived in Dallas or Texas for 15 years. Yeah. So I've hit all the entire Southwest. Yeah. And when I moved back to California and I was living in Orange County for the first two years that I was uh-huh. here... I had actually started following you. I wasn't in San Diego. I don't even know how I found you Yeah, to be perfectly honest on Instagram. And I thought, and I just like loved your energy. Yeah. So I would message you every once in a while no clue never listened to the show or anything uh, I just knew you were there but I and you would message back I I'm would? sure you yeah oh, that's cool I'm sure you were like you never messaged back I'm like dude I try I hate social media by the way okay that's obviously I'm,
1: it's I'm glad me. I responded to you
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then like we meet right mm-hmm. at a full event from at Liz Hernandez and then yeah. we just vibe. yeah and it's so crazy because it's not I had no idea I was moving back to San Diego. So for all I knew, I was never going to meet you. I just yeah. really liked your vibe. And I thought you were like, from what I saw, I yeah. thought you were cool. Yeah. And now like we're becoming friends. Yeah, so it's just yeah. so like, you're totally right. Like I believe it all that when it's the right people, the right situation, everything, yeah. because uh, you know, I'm, San Diego is not the, the hugest city, but it's still it's a big, big city. Yeah. And I'm very actually closed off to people, um, and I'm trying not to
1: be like that. But you know, when you're in this industry, you meet a lot of like fake people or people, whatever. So I became really closed off. But then I was like, but then I could be closing my off, myself off to great people. So mm. to so I'm working on that. Um, but once you just trust that the universe is going to bring the right people into your life. Yeah. You're not even worried about fake people because fake people don't even come around me no more. Like yeah. I, I trust. And they it. reveal themselves pretty quickly. Yeah. And I feel like I have a good intuition where like, I know who someone's cool or not right away. People don't understand it. Like, you know, at my job, I make decisions without even knowing. And like everyone looks at me like without, but I haven't been wrong once. So now to this thing, they'll be like, Gina, what do you think? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I believe in that. Like I, I know my intuition and I know, that my gut feeling and I don't need a reason to maybe not talk to someone or I don't need a reason to talk to someone and I've become, you know we only met this year but like I was telling one of my other girlfriends, they thought we knew each other forever I was like, no, nah, I just met her a few months ago I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't feel right be- weird wait, inviting you right, into my house. Right
0: before COVID we did not. Leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we but like, you know, like I
1: don't I don't just bring anyone in my house but I feel comfortable with you and I trust that and I trust, trust the universe and I know my intuition I trust myself to know that you know but you have it takes work to get there
0: for sure I've gone through this whole thing during COVID because I would always trust my gut because anytime I've gone against my gut I yeah I'm Mm -hmm. like fuck why didn't I just trust it I mean I remember even in high school I got in an argument like me and my best quote-unquote best friend at the time um had I don't even know why we had a falling out. All of a sudden, she didn't like me. She's talking shit about me, all this and that. And then randomly, she calls me and she's like, "Let's do something. Let's blah blah blah." And I just didn't. I was like, even on the phone, I was like, yeah. "Why do I feel like if I go, I'm gonna get jumped?" Yeah, like legit. Really? Yes. And what happened? Were they? I didn't. Yeah, I found out later they were planning on jumping oh, me shit. for something <laughs> I don't even know why. To be perfectly yeah. honest, like, yeah, that's
1: why you got to trust your gut. Yeah.
0: you know, and people
1: like that. I mean. It's hard, but like you send them away with love and you create your boundaries and you trust your gut and you don't have to deal with them again.
0: Yeah. And you even know. now with, with COVID, it's given me as hard as it was. Like I was telling you earlier, it was so like the very first few months, it was really, really hard, but it's given me an opportunity because I think this time it gives us an opportunity, right? Yeah. And what we do with that opportunity is up to us. Yeah. But it's really giving me opportunity to kind of get to know myself in a way that I never have. Or I never wanted to. Yeah. I never wanted to take the time before and it's really revealed people to me because I am a super extrovert but that doesn't mean that I can't be around people it just means that I need to continue to keep my circle small and I it's to me it's more about qualities and quantity yeah and you're right you just use everything in your life yeah where do you think if there was another young girl, young Latina girl who was going through, maybe, maybe she's listens to you now on the radio. And I mean, first of all, yes, first Mm -hmm. of all, the fact that you have Gina the Latina, like you're full out putting it out there, but you're also (laughs) one of the very few women who leads a radio show in this Mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. Like you, it is the Gina the Latina and Frankie V show, not Mm -hmm. the other way around. And that's very new, by the way, yeah. like yes. we're, we're progressive, like, but it's still women. We have a lot. Like, yeah. But yes. Okay. How did that feel? Like knowing that this was like, obviously there was a change in regards to host, hosting, hosting everything you were, you're the yeah. staple, you remain there, but how did that feel when that change actually happened?
1: You know? Um, so the last time with my ex co-host Kramer, um, I thought for sure then it was going to be Gina and Kramer because he was coming from another city. I'd been here for like however many years. People knew me. They had written in my contract that, like, unless it was someone that came in, because I'm fair. Like, if it's someone equal, whatever, we're cool. But if I was a guy, I would have had my own Gina Latina show years ago. It wouldn't even be a question. They give guys shows like nothing. For a girl to even be on a show, it's only been within the last five years. And a girl's name to be first on a show. That's a whole nother thing. That's almost unheard of. And then a girl to have her own show. But if you think about it, listen to the radio stations. There's only guy shows everywhere. There's hardly any girl shows. So, but my last co-host, he was really cool. He was actually, he was like one of the most pro women co-hosts. They came in and they're like, it's going to be Kramer Jean." I'm like, what? And he even told them like, nah, put her first, you know? And they didn't think that girls would be okay. They're like, well, you're already a strong, powerful woman. Girls don't like girls. What? Yeah. And so I almost quit them. I almost quit then. And I was not happy. And I talked to my agent and he was like, look, why maybe I shouldn't say what we're saying. But (laughs) the reason why I stayed was... Yes, could I sue? And yes, would I win? Probably, but I'd probably be not be I have a radio show. I can always do more good on the radio than being off, right? Mm-hmm. So it trust me, it took like a whole month off. That's when I was going through all my spirituality. I was like, fuck this shit. Like this is bullshit. Like this is so like sexist. This is so blah, 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 blah. Cause this is, and this wasn't that long ago. This was like five years ago, six years ago. You know, it's radio has changed a lot in the last six years with the whole Me Too, with all that. Mm-hmm. But six years ago it was still ancient as fuck. Like they treated girls like shit. And I'll go on record and say that. My boss now is a woman and she is great, but before, no, you know? And so um, when they did that, I felt really like it was like in my face, you know. And I remember I yeah. sat in a meeting, and one so of the guys in there he hates when I tell this story, but I won't say his name. <laughs> I don't think he'll listen to this. But I said, you know why I'm fighting for this? Because this was before. This was before my show. Now it was before. I said he had a daughter. I'm not going to say her name. Well, we'll say her name is Angel. Angel. I said, you know why I'm fighting for my name to be first? Not. I don't care. At the end of the day, it's so that Angel because she was like 13 at the time. Angel doesn't have to fight for what she's earned and deserved when she's my age. That's why I'm doing this. And he sat there and it was actually above him and he listened, but they still put it as Kramer and Gina. And I was so upset, but I wasn't mad at Kramer because it wasn't him. He even went in there and it was like, even it wasn't even people in San Diego. It was like the bigger ups, you know? And Mm -hmm. I took a month off and I really thought about quitting. And then I thought, you know what? I can do more power on the radio than off. It's just a name. I know I fought as much as I could, but I was getting to the point where I was stressed out and sick. And I'm big on listening to your body, and it's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew I fought as much as I could in my mind. Maybe I lost. Whatever. I I came back, and I knew I couldn't do the show being bitter, and I didn't want to because you are not going to have a good show being bitter. So I went and cleared my head for a month. My boss said, "Take a month off." Like I took a whole month off, the whole month of December. I came back. So I started doing Theta Healing, started doing stuff. And I actually was okay with my name second. So when this whole change around, I was like already over it almost. Like I was really hurt 5 years ago. And I was like, this is injustice. This is blah, blah, But I knew whatever. And I finally came to a point where I was okay with it. Because I knew I had fought. I knew maybe it's just the next generation that's going to do it. And then when this new show happened, my boss, she's a female. She's pro-woman. She wasn't my boss before. She pulls me in and she's like, you know, tells me what's going on, whatever. She's like, and it's going to be the Gina and Frankie show. No questions asked. I'm not, no one's debating anything. And I was like, oh, okay. So it was weird because it's like the second I gave up. It came exactly right the second not gave up but gave up the anger the want the mad like i really didn't care anymore like i was just kind of okay with it i'm still gonna do my thing like i'm still gonna do my girls empowerment conference it doesn't really matter i know some people may say it's just a name but girls women know what i'm talking about yeah. like you know and um and then it just happened so i was like oh shit okay that's all, all right it wasn't
0: <laughs> even like a fight you know, this <laughs> out.
1: so i don't know i mean at the end of the day I don't really care. My name's first, honestly. But I do care in the big scheme of things. Because for me, I always say I'm working for the future. Like I I will not see the changes that I want to see in my career, in my lifetime. But I hope the little changes that me and my friends... When I say my friends, like my girlfriend, Angie Taylor, she's the first girl. She's in Chicago. She has the Angie Taylor. Uh, she was just giving the Angie Taylor uh, a rock show. The only like female on a rock station. That's unheard Yeah, I was about to say. And she's been at radio like... 20 years, you know, like she should have got it so long ago. Right. So it's, you're seeing the progress. And so the way we talk and we've had these conversations is that we're doing it for the next generation. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do it for. And so, you know, it is what it is. So I don't know if that answered your question,
0: but no, for sure. Well, the I had asked um, what word describes your life, and you said crazy. But I think we know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just over the the course of the past. I mean, hour. I didn't even go through everything.
1: Um, you don't know <laughs> even know. I mean, yes, crazy. <laughs> but good, I don't think crazy is a bad word. Everyone like no. It that, doesn't I, have to I, be. Be. I love being crazy. My family is fucking crazy, and I love that. You know what Girl, I mean? Um, my dad, he's insane. But he's I've, I haven't met
0: him. I've only seen yeah. him. But remember, I told you, I'm like he's he kind awesome. of reminds me yeah. of my mom. I call my mom. a um, a real life a, a cartoon character come to life is that how i that's describe how it? that <laughs> is yeah same i mean we're loud we're crazy well we, we you hear an
1: ambulance or a police we go chase to watch you know what i mean <laughs> like we're all, like all calling each other little little man like what's going on you know but i mean that's how i was that's crazy is all i know yeah but i have gone a little and bit. crazy is relative yes yes right crazy that's relative. true i don't think it's like I don't know. I don't have no perspective. Crazy. <laughs> I've have...
0: seen it all. <laughs> it probably really is crazy to other people. <laughs> You've not stopped working throughout this whole time. You're considered an essential worker. I know. But has there been anything during this time that has been revealed to you in a different way? Or have you picked up any new habits or new hobbies or anything? Or, or has there been anything that's kind of been revealed to you during this time? I think um, this time has been hard
1: for everybody. Um, I think the weight of the world is on everybody. Um, so it's a really good time to get to know yourself and I'm glad I've done all the work before because it hasn't been perfect. like you know, but um, have I picked up new hobbies? No,, oh, I made up my own hot yoga studio in my bathroom, <laughs> but now it's open again. Um, I would say though, and I don't know if this is your question, but I'm just gonna go there. Um, I think this whole time, even though as people see it's bad, it's really waking people up and I where agree. people were not passionate about certain things or were not like it's just bringing everything to service now people sometimes i feel like are taking it overboard and like <laughs> whatever but i do think it's waking people up to i mean we we're probably going to have more people voting this year than we've ever had ever no one cared before you know or i mean that was just a minor example but there's just so many things that i think there's a reason why everything's happening and i try to remember that and try to just go with the flow and try to maintain my zen during this when the, you know, the protests and everything's right outside my door. I live downtown. Um, so that's what I think. I hope people, we see a bigger lesson or picture when all of this is over. Hopefully yeah. it gets over at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right. I yeah. know. Hopefully
0: yeah. there's a, there's an end to this. Madness. There is a silver lining. I'm sure even yes. though we don't know
1: exactly what it is right now.
0: How can people listen to you Find you on social. Yeah. All of
1: that. So if you're in San Diego, you can listen on channel 933, 93.3, 6 to 10 a.m., Monday to Friday. Um, if you're not, you can download the iHeartRadio app or listen online. Um, and you just put in like channel 933 and you can listen live. Um, or you could go to uh, channel933.com, Keyword Mornings. We put our whole show there. Um, I have my own website, gina.thelatina.com. Um and we didn't even talk about girls empowerment conference. Oh my gosh,
0: say this. Talk about uh, your girls empowerment I, conference.
1: Well, because uh, I know it
0: didn't, it wasn't able to happen because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but we do it every year. It's like 500 teen girls from across San Diego. We get
1: sponsors. We put on this beautiful event because I want them to realize there's more than where they came from. And so we do it like at the Pendry Hotel downtown. They dress up. Well, I'm here to volunteer. Whatever. Yes, you please. Needs. Yes, we'll need it. And we have speakers from all over. Luckily, I've created a great group of people and we try to get um different speakers so that every girl there can relate to someone Mm -hmm. so they're all over the place um and we provide like catered lunch we have performances we've had like celebrities film videos it's like a whole production it's turned into something really cool and it's uh, i have to shout out sdccu they they sponsor it and they've always sponsored it and we have other sponsors too might as well about scg and cox uh about a we have a lot of sponsors i don't want to crossroads Dally. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I hope i didn't miss you guys but we all approve we appreciate all sponsors, but it's turned into a really great thing um and that's why i got my gene of the latina date here in san diego well that's what they said because of the girls conference yeah. so yeah i would love to include you when we can get back to it we might some do something uh virtual next year we're working on it but um that was a short version but what was the question before that uh, oh follow me on <laughs> oh, yeah. instagram that's the best way i think it's at gina the latina g e e n a the latina um instagram facebook all that's the same
0: so we book end we start with the wine we end with the wine okay I we've already established what your favorite wine is it's sauvignon a white wine sauvignon blanc do you yeah. have a very specific type like any kind or i go through different phases Like probably if a few months
1: ago it was Pinot Grigio before that it was Cabernet, like Cab. Something, you know, whatever. (laughs) Right now it's Sauvignon Blanc. I don't know. I just drink whatever. I'm not that bougie.
0: (laughs) Gina, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. How long was this interview? Uh, About an hour and 20. Oh, that's not bad. That's good. Hey, Hey, this is the 50th like oh awesome. 50, and congratulations you. to you that's a lot that's, thank that's you great. i can't believe it it's so Get crazy to 100, though, yes. i don't know I, then that's, i'll be considered that's probably bullshit
1: but that's what I'm they a, told me you're not a real podcaster you're 100 i'm like you know
0: what? Fuck i'm you. a half a podcaster <laughs> yeah. no but that's good 50s a lot
1: i know how much work it takes so good
0: job <laughs> so until next time mi gente happy 50 mm-hmm. and happy new year Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chismet Podcast. For more information on Gina, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. Make sure to tune in to Channel 933 in San Diego or the iHeartRadio app to listen to Gina the Latina and Frankie V Morning Show. You can check out all things Wine and Chismet on our website, com. There you will find the names of the wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on Instagram at The Wine and Cheese Smith Podcast and Facebook at The Wine and Cheese Met Podcast. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese Met, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are always appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente, saludos.